everyone, and welcome to the House Conspiracy Podcast, a show about the house and on the house. I'm Jonathan O'Brien, and I'm the founding creative director at House Conspiracy. Today, I'm talking to David Oberg, a writer I've known for about a year now. This conversation is pretty jovial and chilled out. We talk about writing and catharsis, and about some of the challenges inherent in creating long-form work. We joke around a bit and have a few good laughs, which is actually really nice. Maybe this podcast has been too serious of late. But now, just before we begin, uh, regular housekeeping, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and you can visit us at houseconspiracy.org to learn more about our artists and to see how we can support you. Also, you can join our mailing list. It's worth it. And now, on to the show. The writer's studio is barren again, more or less. There's not much of a mark to be made, I suppose, when it comes to a standard writing process, let alone one that's typed. There is a little blue plastic notebook computer on the desk alongside a copy of Thomas Pynchon's The Crying of Lot 49, and there's a teacup with the word truth on it. The teacup is full of mold. Brevity is wit. Here's David Oberg. Let's let's lead into that okay. with uh, with titles um, and titling exhibitions and stories and whatnot. Uh-huh. Do you do you do you find titles to be important? I know you've had titles changed in the past. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I think they're important. Yes. <laughs> Is that a are they are they separate from the work to you or are they? Yeah. Look, when my title was changed for um, uh, this will destroy his nosebleed, then. The, the piece changed as well. Like, uh, there was a nosebleed added to the story. <laughs> so the title actually was very synchron- synchronized with that, uh, which was good. No, I mean, I mean, you can change a title. As long as it still reflects the story, then really the story is what matters. The amount of stories that I don't title until much, much later on, like after I've already finished it and I'm happy with it, yeah, that's that's how it works. Titles aren't that important. Which order does it usually come for you? Like title or story? Story. Yeah, definitely, definitely story. Whenever I think of the title first, then I go, "Well, I'm done. I don't write a story." <laughs> so you know, it really? ha- kind of has to be story first. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Actually, no. Arrangement of Gabriel. I came up with the title first. Well, that's yeah. because you were you were riffing on a particular uh, figure. Yeah, yeah, the Archangel Gabriel from uh, the biblical stories. From the, from the Bible. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's, what that, that's what that book was about. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but uh, sort of talking about things that you delineate, I want to ask sort of a, a broad question based on sort of the stuff you put in your application to House Conspiracy. Okay. And we talk, you and I, and everyone sort of talks a lot about like enjoyment in art. And you in your description sort of make this interesting delineation, particularly within writing between enjoyment of a story and enjoyment of reading. And I was wondering if you could sort of expand on that. Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, Okay. So should I start with talking about specifically, I'll just fucking talk. Um, so (laughs) in, in say a movie, uh, uh, 
Uh, we were just talking about Silence of the Lambs. Um, great in, movie. Great movie. Great movie. Everyone should have seen it by now. I haven't seen it. A- and uh, uh, the the story's good. But yeah, I could sit here and tell you what the story is. And you could go, oh yeah, that's a good story. And then you would know what the story is. But watching the movie is a different experience. Just like how I've seen the movie before. But what, if I watch, sit down and watch the movie again, then watching the movie is still enjoyable to me because I'm watching all of these things that aren't the story. And I think that's what I was trying to say with um, the, the, the way that I've been writing uh, these short pieces with uh, uh, very little sentence structure, I, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, minimal, stream of consciousness, yeah, minimal, minimal punctuation. punctuation. And uh, the idea is that it, it, it sucks people in because of the way that it's written. The idea is that... Uh, People are, are trying to follow it, and it's 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 interactive in that sense, in that they have to put in a little bit of effort uh, to follow it, because otherwise, you know, maybe they'll get lost, or maybe they'll lose track of where they were. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, and is that sort of experience of like the possibility of getting lost? What 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 about that is important to you, and sort of the work that you make? That you're right. Getting lost. That sort of possibility that you could get lost. Oh, my hope is that people don't get lost. I hope people don't get lost. That's not, yeah, that's not the idea. That's, <laughs> that's not what I want. <laughs> no, no, I want people to, uh, uh, I want it to grip them and, and, and so that they have to keep reading it all the way to the end. I hate the idea of people, well, I don't hate it, but I know that I get into the, uh, I, I start reading a short story and I'll get two paragraphs in and I'll stop. I'll go <laughs> make a sandwich. <laughs> it's a default activity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, time to go and make another sandwich. Uh, Man, I really keep reading a lot of short stories. Yeah, only two yeah. paragraphs. It's like the tenth <laughs> sandwich. Yeah, no. Like, look, I just I want it to be um, I want it to be fun to read. Uh, uh, fun being a very t- loose term, but I want it to be engaging to read. Like, because uh, there's there's a lot of good stories. Uh, that are told poorly. Right. Yes, you can sort of levy that at most sort of YA writers, like Harry Potter, for instance. Oh, I, I mean, I'm not going to shit talk JK, but... Uh, I will. <laughs> uh, not, a, not a great writer, great storyteller. Okay, yeah. Well, that's... that's uh, I mean, if that's what we're going to go with, then... then Who would you... Who there's, would you nothing, there's nothing particularly stylistically interesting about JK Rowling's work. Yeah. Uh, but but her stories are, are very very fun, and uh, and engaging, and she makes an immersive world sometimes. Sometimes. And, uh, but and, and it would be different. It would be different if she tried to make it stylistically like experimental or or, or particularly um, uh, what's the term? Jarring to read, like if like someone, effortful. Yeah, yeah. If someone picked up Harry Potter and it was. Um, it was like House of Leaves. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it, it was just um, uh, uh, it was all of the Dursleys' thoughts at the same time. <laughs> there was no differentiation between them. You just had to sort of figure it out. Uh, then I don't think people would get the same out of the Voldemort element. The evil villain versus the plucky underdog hero wouldn't be the same level of interest. Right, because there, there's an inherent compromise there. Yeah. How do you then? balance sort of remaining quote-unquote stylistically interesting with 
making sure that, yeah, you're not taking away from the experience of the story? Uh, I, 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 think, I think with that, you just need to um, nail the premise you gotta, you gotta nail the premise uh, of of a piece, and, and because I would love to write something like Harry Potter, that would be awesome. I would love to sit down and write a write a uh, high fantasy world with all of my favorite characters that I've invented over the years, and or 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 a, a cyberpunk science fiction story. But um, the fact is that I'm very I, I when I write them, I think that it's bad. I look at it, that's not good. Because the stuff that I'm writing now doesn't have, it's not high fantasy, it's not cyberpunk. It's, I'm just trying to uh, just do one thing. That's uh, sort of, I've just, uh, you know, condense all of that. Do one thing per story or you sort of have an overall one thing vision at the moment? No, one thing per story. Mm-hmm. One thing per story. So Bloodhound is, the premise is quite, quite simple. Yeah. Someone says, what's that about? You can tell them. You can tell them. You Do you want to tell them? It's about a guy who just loves uh, to uh, perform cunnilingus on menstruating women. Yeah. And, and that's, that's it. That's it. That's, that's it. Holes. And you stick that's to that premise. Mm-hmm. And then it can't really be compromised because there's nothing else there. Because it's not about a man who enjoys performing cunnilingus on menstruating women who fights a dark wizard who killed his parents. Yeah. That wouldn't work. Or would it? Or would it? Well, that brings me to what I'm working on at House Conspiracy this okay, month. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> well, does yeah. it actually? Are you doing a segue? Are no. you taking my <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, good. No, then I'll ask no. a different question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I, I fear that I'm rambling. <laughs> no, 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 no. Rambling. You're, you're, ra- you're always rambling less than you think you are. Okay, okay. Um, so you do though, and the reason I sort of ask that question about sort of one thing per story or one thing you have a very sort of specific style uh, at the I moment. Think, yeah. I think it's fair to say, yeah, at the, like you're young. We are all yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. do different things, but is that style when you started writing, um, which was when I've known you for a while, but I actually don't know when you first started writing. It was oh, in high school sometime. 12. You were 12. Yeah. Yeah. So for the half My of your first life story, I wrote about a ninja yeah. who fought a bad King. That's, uh, that's, did he eat, uh, menstruating? No, no. He was a wolf ninja. He fought with the wolves against the baddie king. I was 12. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Everyone's going to start somewhere, you know? Yeah. Dude, don't make me dig up (laughs) my, I I think the, the first story I remember writing. Well, I I remember, I think, uh, glimpses from before, but the first thing I wrote was about like a cancer patient. Oh who, shit! No, no, no! <laughs> who dies, and then becomes a shade, and then it's seventy pages of uh, Age of Mythology fan fiction. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> no, that's awesome though. That's uh, great. Uh, <laughs> uh. Um, it's oh, it's interesting too because I always in my head in my head canon my ninja wolf warrior always got cancer eventually. Really? No. <laughs> uh, so go on with yeah, your question. My, this guy was modern day though. Like he was a modern day cancer patient and oh, then okay. he died and went back to age of mythology or era? does age of mythology always like it's just age of mythology no so they were in like, like they were in down. they were in like bc times for sure <laughs> there was no electricity some guy lit the lamps do you think if greek gods were real they'd be like no electricity like we don't we don't like that i think like i shit. think power prices would plummet 
and then slowly rise back up to market rates. <laughs> <laughs> I think Zeus would tweet like Trump. I think Zeus would tweet like Trump. Yeah. I think, I think, I think Zeus would, would, would really sell out the yeah. idea of a deity pretty quick. Yeah. Yes. Like Trump has. Yes. Um, <laughs> hey, so, but I was going to ask you about, about your specific style, which you did not answer because we got sidetracked. My bad. Um, no, my bad, I think, this time. Um, is your style sort of emergent or is it learned? Like, were you reading stuff and you sort of like started learning by imitation or was it just sort of how you began writing one day? Oh, uh, more learned, more learned. Uh, but partially emergent. Mm-hmm. Um, if that that I mean that makes sense, yeah, it's, right? It's, it's always, always a bit be, of both. Yeah. Uh, uh, by Night in Chile by Roberto Bolaño mm-hmm. uh, changed a lot of the ways that I uh, thought about books and writing. So I, that was just such a wild fucking ride of a book. Uh, essentially, a, a a series of short vignettes in a novelized form, um, but the use of of long winding sentences that's almost hypnotic as you delve uh uh it's all it's all first person reflective introspective and and he goes into stories that then go into other stories and he he'll be sitting there talking to someone and then they'll start telling him a story and then it'll be almost a third person uh Mm -hmm. and then it'll come back and it's 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 was just fantastic and i thought man this is this is wild this is like i can't put this book down it's not like uh, it's not like um, it's not like reading Michael Crichton, who I love, but Michael Crichton is not stylistically interesting. He's, no. he's dry. Yeah, he's just telling his uh, story that he yeah. wants to tell. Yeah, yeah, and that was that really hit me hard. Also, um, uh, stylistics with Craig Bolland was um, yeah, just yeah, the stuff yeah, that he taught us. You studied at uh, QUT. Yes, yeah. creative professional writing at QUT, which was um, hugely beneficial. Uh, and then trying to trying to emulate. Uh, what By Night in Chile does, or Monty Payne, any of Roberto Bologna's stories, his short stories, The Return, um, that I I wasn't trying to copy, per mm. se, just sort of imitate and see see what would happen. And when I started doing that, then I found that I, I, I would put in uh, uh, the way that, I, I try to put in the way that people speak naturally into the story. So, you know, I'll have the character say, uh, say something and then comma, you know, comma, and then clarify the way that people fucking do. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of almost like literary mumblecore. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. I'm so okay with that. Yeah. I'm 100% okay with that being the descriptor <laughs> of my work. <laughs> literary mumblecore. Uh, it's pretty, it's, that's pretty pretentious. It's super wanky. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, I'm fine with it. Most people are like, wait, lit, what, what's mumblecore to begin with? Yeah, what's literature? What's, what is lit? What's, what's lit? Uh, <laughs> ask Travis This Scott. podcast is this pretty podcast fucking is lit. pretty lit. Um, yeah, and you talked about university there and I actually wanted to link that in because you mentioned in your your application that sort of, House conspiracy would partially benefit you because it would give you a deadline to work to because you felt that university sort of warped you a little bit towards being sort of deadline oriented. Jesus, man, I was really honest in that application. You were huh? super honest, dude. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm bringing the honesty out. That's on. true. No, that is true. Yeah. That is true. Uh, when, when, when university ended, I was, uh, found that I, I wrote one story, I wrote Bloodhound, and then I stopped. 
uh, for a long time. Mm. And I, it was just because, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think that was just something, there was something wrong with my mindset, uh, coming out of uni, um, where I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand what I was supposed to do, I suppose. I, I mean, I'd been institutionalized for uh, <laughs> 22 years. <laughs> so, um, so I, I wasn't really, yeah, 100% um, competent uh, at uh, uh, self-motivating mm -hmm. and setting deadlines for myself and, and self-leading. Is that the term? Is uh, the... Yeah, self-leading. Yeah. yeah. Um, or autonomy? Autonomy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, less autonomous than I'd like to be. Um, and I, I saw House Conspiracy as an opportunity to uh, to say, okay, you got four weeks, uh, December first. Sorry, I'm pounding on the table. Yeah, it's probably December first. There's a much. there's a. Can I mention the showcase? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's yeah. a private showcase. Private. This, not... this podcast comes out after the showcase. Okay, anyway. right, okay, so, okay, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a showcase, and um, and on that showcase, then uh, you got to have something. You got to have it. You got to have something. And so if you don't have something. You're gonna look like an idiot, so you you, you no, can't you it'll can't be an empty room. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. That's the thing is, uh, but I think that that's not a solution. That's a band aid solution to what my problem was. Yeah, uh, my actual the actual solution is to just uh, uh, just make sure, make sure that you keep writing, and decide what you want in life, and it's got nothing to do with uh, style. Do you <laughs> do you have a um, do you have sort of a set of methods around that? Because I know you briefly uh, had a dilly dally with uh, UQ's master's program. A dilly dally, yeah, yeah, that's the official term. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't super into that. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I won't shit talk the UQ master's program. It just wasn't for no. me. Yeah, this wasn't for me. Wrong timing. Yeah, I, yeah, I think wrong timing, and also I picked the wrong subjects. Uh, for, for, yeah, as well. Um, some of the optional subjects that I chose, I thought, oh, that'll be fun. And uh, it wasn't fun, so that was the that was the result of that. It was a mistake. Ah, whoops, whoops, whoops. Uh, but um, yeah, that that would have given me uh, deadlines as well. But uh, yeah, honestly, what you need to do is you need to think. You need to you need to think about it a lot. You can't you can't write if you got other shit on your mind. Yeah, in my yeah, opinion. It's, well, it's, I can't. It's I, harder to. Yeah, it's a lot harder to. I, I think that um do you uh, write for catharsis does it oh you big get time that shit out of your mind yeah 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 you know that uh story i wrote about the one you read recently yeah yeah that was massive catharsis yeah what's that story called again uh it's untitled untitled yeah, yeah. wouldn't you know yeah, yeah wouldn't you know, yeah, wouldn't you know. i don't know what i'd call that story um but, but it came to you in a dream right no 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 you remember that the character has a dream yeah didn't you have that dream? Yeah, I had that same dream. That's yeah. what I mean. Yes, but that wasn't the catharsis. The catharsis okay. is that um, uh, the character in that story is um, uh, just loses their fucking mind uh, over um, uh, the fear of missing out, essentially. And I was feeling that. And so I wrote that story. Uh, and it made me feel slightly better because I went, well, I still feel like shit, but at least I wrote this good story. And that, that, was, that, was, a, that was a benefit. Um, so catharsis is good. That's and that's that's not a not a uh, sustainable way to be a writer. You can't you can't rely on feeling a strong emotion and that's how you write because that's definitely a, a method that I've used before. That's how I wrote Bloodhound. Um, said I was just in a really good mood. Yeah, 
Yeah. Because that's a happy story. It's a happy story. It's a, it's fucking, a happy yeah. story about ambition that is fulfilled. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's a very nice way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and I was in a really good place. Really ex- like uh, euphoric mood, mm. I suppose. Yeah, it comes across. And, and it was, it was, and, and I just, and that was cathartic to write that. Um, but you also need an idea and, and you need to think about the idea a lot and to come up with things for the idea because those two pieces as well are only short. They're only about 2000 words long. Yeah. Um, so the piece that I'm trying to write for house is going to be much longer than that and cover a lot more ground, which means that it's going to be much more difficult. I can't write that as a cathartic thing. No, because you have to sit down night after night after night. Yeah. Yeah. The feeling will leave. So yes. you can't rely on it. Mm-mm. You have to have the idea because there are people don't actually enjoy reading mood pieces. No, not like, not like 500 words that explicates happiness. Oh, sure. You know? sure. Would you describe those two pieces, the untitled one and bloodhound as mood pieces? No, no. Cause there's narrative there. Good, good. Mood, mood pieces are like when, uh, like, uh, f- films like tree of life. Oh yeah. I would describe no, yeah. as a uh, mood piece. Yeah. No, that's not good. See, I love tree of life. <laughs> yeah. I, a tree of life is one of my top. Have ten. you seen, uh, uh, King of Cups? Is that Prince of... Knight of, of Cups. Knight of Cups. No, I have not. I, I hate that movie. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I, I hate I, it. You know what? <clears throat> I've seen Thin Red Lion and I've seen Tree of Life and uh-huh. I don't... Oh, and I saw To the Wonder, which wasn't good either. Okay. But it was the last movie that Roger Ebert reviewed. And so oh, I watched okay. it for that. And hmm. he, he wrote a very beautiful review and you could tell he knew it was going to die. Right. Um, <laughs> fuck. Because he writes in the review something like, maybe, you know, maybe, it, it, maybe it's not all meant to be understood. Maybe you can't. Damn. And maybe we just have to grasp at what is given to us. Do you trust that review or do you go, nah, he was, he was uh, delirious. He, I think, I think he just watched a mood piece. Right. Uh, and it affected him. And that affected him. And I think that's, that's the thing. Like, and that's why I love tree life, but I can't defend, I can defend that movie. I can defend the shit out of that movie, but <laughs> there are movies I like that I can't defend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. There's, there's a clear narrative in both of those stories, you mm. know, in blood, like on the simplest terms, bloodhound, Someone wants something. Yeah. Yes. And there's conflict in the untitled story as yeah. well. Uh, Arrangement of Gabriel as well wasn't, a, um, you know, that wasn't catharsis. That was, no. Uh, there were, there were, I, want, I wanted to write this particular story. I sat down and tried to. And Although interestingly enough, I'd probably shift that more towards being a mood piece. I realize now we're talking a whole bunch about to- uh, texts that no one else can read. Uh, um, I, I, they, they will be able to read it hopefully when the podcast is out. Um, planning on putting up a website hey. of some kind. Yeah, good and plan and just chucking up. Chucking up the pieces that can't be published. Yeah, yeah sure. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. So a website completely dedicated to bloodhound.com. Bloodhound.com. That's that's sounds, not what it's going to be called. That's, pretty, that's not what it's going to be called. Gross if People someone, will go for that for other things. If I someone, think. Yeah, if someone linked me to bloodhound.com, I'd be like, <laughs> incognito window on someone else's computer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. want to be on any list. Um, no, but I, I want to, yeah, to, I guess that's probably a good way to shift into um, what is the project you're doing here? Right. Uh, so there's a couple of pieces that I'd like to work on. Um, you know, I gen- generally have, have ideas uh, uh, similar to uh, the pieces that we've been talking about in the sense that it's usually just someone uh, introspective, first person reflective, and they're, they're 
talking about something terrible that's happened or something that's, ha- that's about to happen. It's all terrible. It's all misery. It's all, oh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's usually bad, but, um, but it's the way they tell it is, uh, I, I try to make that as relatable as possible so that people. That's, that's the sort of mumblecore sort of. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. People, so the idea is that people read it and, and, and they can, they can find something, even though this character is weird or deranged or just kind of bad, kind of like a bad, like, like an unlikable person. Yeah, bad or like aggressively mediocre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pathetic. Pathetic. They, they can find something within that person that they, they, they can relate to just because of how the person is, is telling the story mm-hmm. or how the person is um, recalling things. Uh, but the story, the specific story that I, I want, want, to, want to write for this is, um, um, so I've been thinking a lot about subversion and uh, I... I, I've read a lot of um, uh, young young writers' works uh, where they they objectify women almost unintentionally, and uh, they they focus on various parts of the of the, oh, it's so funny. Of the woman's body. It's so funny when you read like Murakami does it really all the time. Yeah, well, and he's what, like, what's, what's his what's his favorite parts? Because he loves like the nape of the neck. Yep, that and, that comes up a lot. And like a. Uh, a, like I think I feel like actually on the nape of the neck it does come up a lot and I think it comes up a lot I mean napes of necks they're great yeah good on napes but um <laughs> pro nape here at our pro nape yeah um, pro nape sounds like something you don't want to have happen to your body um <laughs> But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But, um, <laughs> pronate vaccinated. Pronate, yeah. Um, but I feel like the, that's focused on because it feels maybe like you're being tasteful as opposed to like focusing on like a woman's chest or legs or whatever. It's like, no, yeah. the nape of her neck. I'm a very, I'm a, I'm a respectable objectifier. <laughs> well, that's also like, um, uh, uh, part of the, um, like, suppose idolization of of uh of what you what you want yeah uh whereas uh, they're, they're not they're not saying i don't know they're, they're not really seeing this person as a person yeah they're but, seeing them as an object or but even even though they're glorifying that object it's still an object yeah well like putting someone on a pedestal is yeah uh, is a great way to objectify someone. yes yeah. yes um but anyway Going off, of so that. so I, I I was I was thinking, what, what, would it be interesting if I wrote a, 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 a that story, but swap swap it around mm-hmm. um, and make it about a, a woman who's who's uh, just interested in objectifying men, uh, and so I so I went, yeah, that'd be great, that'd be great, and she can talk about how like um, you know, she can see like the outline of. You know, their cock. Like the bulge. Uh, yeah, the yeah. bulge. And, you know, like, like, likes the way that their, um, their, their backs lead into their waist, that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. then I went, hang on a minute. I'm not a woman. I don't know what women find attractive. So I went and I asked women um, what they find attractive in men. Turns out the, uh, the forearms is actually a big thing. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, it turns out. Same length as your foot. No shit. No shit. Yeah, it's one of those uh, weird ratio things, huh. and it's really alarming because you're like, I, I feel on, I feet that big, and then you do it. Yeah. They are. Wow. Yeah. You know your elbow is the same size as your asshole. It's true. All right, we're gonna end the podcast right there. What? <laughs> really? I had more to say. <laughs> no. Okay. Go on.
Oh, I, 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 is that actually the end? No, it's not the end. Okay. You can keep going. I was just going to um, uh, <laughs> talk about the... Uh, uh, the, the <laughs> that would <laughs> be pretty funny. <laughs> you still can if you want. No, we can, no, no. We can on. cut around no, that. No, 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 no. We're not cutting anything. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> We're live to tape. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Including that stuff you said before the podcast. No, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, go on. Go, go. Um, all of the... Uh, uh, Yes, yeah, so the, the the idea would be that I I, I would um, go okay. So uh, a woman who's very very uh, open about uh, sex and wants sex, and uh, what kind of consequences that leads to um, socially and uh, uh, well, mostly socially, <laughs> mostly socially through her life. Um, and just try to build up uh, an interesting character that's very relatable, um, who is, uh, yeah, deals with um, deals with that kind of fixation um, from a female perspective. Which is why uh, this story is potentially uh, very interesting, very relatable, um, uh, and you know, a subversive, subversive, <laughs> subversive, transcendent fucking masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Or it's incredibly misogynistic because I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you should, um, <clears throat> we did a co-production podcast with, um, White Men and Stark, um, Leah Stark was one of our ex-residents called Love Letters to Fuckboys. Okay. And, uh, but uh, they spend an alarming amount of time <laughs> on that podcast, uh, talking about what they find attractive. Right. Okay. Um, and in, in sort of the way that, that. That, that, you know, the stereotypical... Lo- it's like locker room talk, almost, some of it. Right. So I'll give you a link to that. You should yeah, listen to yeah. that. that. That, I think, will give you a lot of material. To, they're the two women who are very, very open about Well, that's why, that's why you have to talk to uh, women about this kind of thing. If yeah. you want to write something about women, you have to talk to women. And, and obviously, once I finish writing the piece, then I'll... Uh, run it by, run beta, it by beta women that, so, I, yeah. that, I, that I trust and, and um, uh, see if... Uh, because that's what happened with um, with Bloodhounds is that I showed it to women and uh, uh, many liked it, which was very for different reasons. Validating, though, right? yeah, yeah, for different reasons, yeah. But it, it, it was it validated the piece, in my opinion. Like mm. I can be very proud of that piece because women liked it, um, and also I had to make a correction because I wasn't a hundred percent sure how periods <laughs> operated. Oh, it's fine, Dave. It was good to be corrected. It's nice. It's nice to learn. It's nice to learn. Learning's a nice feeling. Learning's good, and that's why my style is learned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I actually wanted to ask a question sort of leading off there. You often write from the female perspective, actually. Um, Sometimes. Somewhat. somewhat. I'd I say would, 50-50. I, I would say, yeah, I would say 50-50. But that's, that's quite significant. Yeah. Like 50-50, I think, for, for anyone to be writing from, a, especially since you write in first person, mm. to be writing from the female perspective. What draws you there? What are the sort of challenges around that? What a, or do you just do George R. R. Martin and just write people? Uh, I yeah, well that's that's the right answer, isn't it? That I write people. But yeah, no, there's no difference. I just write people. No, no, I get sick of I get sick of hearing me. I get sick of hearing um the the same male voice that is in my head all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. It gets boring. I think that there's. Uh, a lot of writing that is boring because of that. Do you know how many people talk about the nape of the neck? Like, yeah, it's, it's a, a fucking trope. trend. Everyone, yeah, everyone's into napes. It's boring. Yeah, it's boring. How many times have you heard a woman talk about the forearms? Yeah, that's true. So I want to be interesting, 
and and that is interesting to me. I write what I find interesting, which is one of the reasons I write about fixations in sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's my answer. Really, mm. is because um, uh, fuck, man, you know how many fucking stories there are about about guys fucking. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, I I know. Um, I've heard. Uh, from tutors at QT that they've many a time yeah. had to read stories yeah. about guys fucking. Yeah, yeah, written by guys. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And it's, uh, it's it's not it's not super interesting. So it's just it's it's essentially a, a framing device that benefits both you as a writer in terms of sort of allowing you to the freedom from your own voice. It is, yeah, it is. But freedom. then also more interesting for an audience because it's a really simple framing device. Yeah, I think it's a good way to put it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the mutuality between writer and reader experience. Yeah, uh, which is why, like, um, I, I, yeah, it's just, it's just, it, 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 it frees you up to to talk about things that you otherwise would be stepping into cliche, or you would be stepping into honestly cringe territory. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I was with Bloodhound. Is it? You say the premise of Bloodhound, people go, "Oh, that that sounds fucking cringy." That doesn't sound uh, enticing whatsoever. And then the preferred outcome is they read it and go, oh, actually, that was fun. That it is was... the preferred outcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, is, which is why, you know, work tends to be presented with a title and then the text and not... There's no blurb before a short story. No, Because the short no. story itself should be the blurb. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why when people say, like, well, that's, 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 and that's the difference between the story and the style, is that you could tell someone what Silence of the Lambs is, and they go, that's good. Or you could show them the movie and they go, wow, that was, there's so much in there. Mm. Uh, just the way it's shot is really good. That alone. Uh, yeah. It's a different, yeah. It's the difference between what's being shot and how it's shot. Yeah. Yeah. But, but in, in literary terms. It's, it's odd uh, that I, because I do this too, is sort of relate to literature through filmic terms. Yeah, is that is that productive? Do you think? I think it's productive. I feel like it's productive. I wonder do do we do it because it's in the cultural lexicon? Because I know we're taught it as well. I think in stylistics, there's a there's a there's yeah, a lecture we did a, in the shot of and they, closer the movie yeah. closer. Oh, we did it with Hunger Games, bizarrely. Yeah, it was an error, but All right. um, <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, <clears throat> How do you how do you write like the Hunger Games movie? Do you no, shake no, no, the no, page no. while you read it? <laughs> no, it was it was using the Hunger Games text. I don't actually think we watched it. Oh, okay. Oh, that's different. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. And it was like this is actually uh, Craig was like this is actually a really good movement between shots. And it actually it actually was. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think the first Hunger Games is probably a good book. I've read it. I yeah, no, I was just making fun of the Hunger Games movie. There's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of shaky cam. There's a lot of shaky cam. I like the second Hunger Games movie. That's the only one I've seen. I haven't seen the second or it was The second one was good. It was a quality movie. Okay. Yeah, really yeah. interesting. Um, really tasteful, I'll too. take your word for it. And Philip Seymour Hoffman was in it. Man. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh. All right. Um, well, at least yeah. he didn't do anything to anyone. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think. I think yeah. he probably had it done to him. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Poor guy. Mm. All right. Um, yeah, but uh, going back to it, I think I do think that talking about things in terms of filmic, I don't think it's unproductive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's helpful, especially um, visual. The visual element of it helps. And, and the ability to go, 
the difference between a, a, a the narrative of your story and the story itself the the yeah the blurb versus the actual what's on the page you know oh, I want to tell a story about a uh, a space captain who who fights an alien monster oh that sounds great uh, try writing it and see how great it is yeah try to write a two hour film or a, or a four hundred page novel yeah yeah uh, writing it is is much harder because the what's actually on the page has to be good. Yeah, and exactly like what you said, like, especially if you're trying to take, like, taking something like that, which can be said in one sentence, and making it 50, 60, 70,000 words. Yeah. Or 100,000 words, really, in the case of most novels. Yeah, which is why when I'm working on this idea that I'm working on now, then I actually, I have um, uh, segments in my head uh, when I'm planning it uh, of what will happen in the story Mm -hmm. bit by bit, what the point of each of those sections are. Uh, how they're going to lead into each other, uh, what the progression of time is going to be like, uh, what the, yeah, yeah, the sort of um, arc of each of those sections. And it's important to have that in mind rather than just going in and trying to write it start to finish. It's not really, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I'm just looking at you. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So just uh, letting you speak. Cool, cool. Yeah, Yeah. because I, I, if, I, if you if you're ever writing and you get to, hashtag writing advice, if you ever get to a uh, uh, a part in your story where you don't know what happens next, you should stop. Do you and, think? Yeah, don't don't stop for good. Just have a break. Like yeah. like if like if you're sat there thinking what happens next. Yeah, or like it gets to a natural end point, and then you go, okay, I know how the next thing. I know what's going to happen eventually in the story, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. Uh, don't just start writing the next sentence because you'll end up someplace you don't want to be. Um, just go for a walk or something and then come back and try again. Oh, I mean, try once or twice. Yeah, no, no. Do whatever just, the fuck I'm, you I'm want, just, really. I'm, don't listen to me. No, 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 no. no. I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of, yeah, how it's, how it's, yeah, I tend to, Tend to go either way. It depends. I well, like, to, like yeah. with Bloodhound, I, um, I, 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 that wasn't the ending. The, how it ends wasn't the ending. That's true. You were going to keep going. I was going to keep going until the cunt got married. Like I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And then I showed it to people and then, and they said, oh, that's, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's the end. That's the end. Yeah. And I read it over again and I went, oh, actually, yeah. Actually it is. Yeah. 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 And so, so sometimes it's just. Yeah, yeah, you have to know what you're writing, but then once you don't know what you're writing anymore, try to find what you're writing again. Well, speaking of the end, Dave, thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, my pleasure. People can't find you online anywhere. Uh, at Glitterberg. Yeah. At Glitterberg on, on Twitter. Twitter.com. Uh, add me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. You're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. There you go. Yeah. I don't know what I'm called on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah. I just I use the the suggested name so it's Oberg and then just four numbers. Yeah, cool. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, you were assigned uh, it at birth. I was assigned. Yeah, that's like my later that's on. my corporate. I'm gonna have it tattooed uh, on my back next to a barcode that yeah. gets scanned. Yeah, 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 yeah. The number of the beasts. Uh, yeah, that's that's it. It's Oberg six 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 one. Is it? No. Okay. It's like two zero or something. Anyway, um, right. hopefully I'll have a, a website up by the time this goes out. Um, yeah, cool. If you Google uh, 
David Oberg bloodhound, you should be able to find me. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast and uh, can't wait to read what you've got. Awesome. Thanks. The House Conspiracy Podcast is produced at House Conspiracy by me, Jonathan O'Brien, and Tyler William Morrison. Mixing and editing by Tyler William Morrison. And music by the Reverend Isha Ramdas. If you'd like to support House Conspiracy, you can do so at houseconspiracy.org donate. And you can learn more about what we offer here at houseconspiracy.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>